take up our Bibles this morning and turn together to the book of Leviticus. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 22. And where we take for our consideration just verses 31 through 33. And so within the context of what's being spoken here, Moses is continuing to give his instructions to Aaron and to his sons as to how they are to live. And the wonder then of that connection that we make of, well, what's a book of Leviticus for us if this is just an understanding of priestly duties? Well, we recognize that in Christ we are made prophets, priests, and kings. And so in that understanding of the call that he has upon us, that call still stands. The, the wonder of what is being spoken here still remains for us. And so let's hear these words together and keep them before us. Again, Leviticus 22, hearing God's word at verse 31. So you shall keep my commandments and do them. I am the Lord. And you shall not profane my holy name that I may be sanctified among the people of Israel. I am the Lord who sanctifies you, who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord. Thus far, the reading of God's holy word. Let's also take up the summary of that word in the Trinity Psalter Hymnal and its back pages, the Hutterberg Catechism, Lord's Day 47. It can be found on page 894. And let's hear these truths together of the first petition of the Lord's Prayer very bottom of the page, page 894, question 122 asks, what does the first petition mean? Hallowed be your name means help us to truly know you, to honor, glorify, and praise you for all your works and for all that shines forth from them, your almighty power, wisdom, kindness, justice, mercy, and truth. And it means help us to direct all our living, what we think, say, and do, such your name will never be blasphemed because of us, but always honored and praised thus far our confession our lord and heavenly father as we approach your throne of grace today we are mindful father of your holiness and we've heard it in the call to worship we've heard it in your law we've heard it in the songs that we've sung even an amazing grace that grace taught our heart to fear and so we pray father that as we hear this word as we consider our lives, as we're driven again to your Son. Father, we pray, might the words of my mouth and the meditations of our spirits, might they be pleasing to you. May you work that which is good and holy among us. And may you send us forth, Father, into that task once more of making you known, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Congregation beloved of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's certainly as we consider those petitions of the Lord's Prayer, perhaps the one that we pray most piously, and we pray it is the one that we pray most earnestly. Hallowed be thy name. But it's also in the number of years then that I've taught catechism, perhaps one of the, the petitions that is the most misunderstood. Or perhaps even wondered, well, why is this here? I mean, pastor, isn't God already holy? I mean, he's perfectly holy. Isn't his name already holy? And so we find not just among high school students, but I would say among all of us, a little bit of struggle to understand and know what we're praying for. 
And so I wonder if the petition hasn't become just something we say instead of an understanding of what we're really asking for. See, we're not just making a repeat of, well, God is holy. No, there's something active that's being talked about here. Hallow, let me be one who hallows your name. Are we praying this as a statement of commitment, of mission, of love for the Lord, for his name, for his work? Are we praying, grant us the right desire of our hearts that you would be, that that holiness would be, that our prayer, the overflow of a desire that your name would be holy and revered and honored among us? And that kind of call is a great one. Because what we're asking is this. God, be glorified and be set apart as holy in my life and in the world around me. It isn't just a a prayer for us as individuals or my stuff. This is about our stuff because it's about his stuff. Again, it is one beyond us as individuals but one that we together strive after in dependence upon the grace and strength of the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of his Holy Spirit to bring it about. It is a profoundly overwhelming prayer if we take a moment not to rattle through it, but to think about it. Because when we do, we start to realize this isn't just something that affects my prayer life. This isn't just something being spoken to to my church life or my devotional life. Every action, every response, every motivation, every last possible thing that I could ever do, say, or think should be modified in this way. Hallowed be your name. Should anything else then be more basic to our lives in understanding the basic reverence and trust that we are called to before him. And that's because we've been brought into relationship with him. You see, that holiness isn't just a description of him. He has now said, you are that. In Christ, that is what you are. And so how is that operating It should operate in relationship. Williamson summarizes the matter this way, quote, if true religion is in our hearts, this will be the basic foundation. The deepest desire will always be that God's name is regarded and treated as holy. And that's because not only is God's name holy, but what has he done with that name? He's placed it on you. He's the one you live for. His is the team that you play for. In all things, that name is written all over you. So what is your life saying about it? What are your words claiming about it? What is the walk of your life giving testimony to in terms of the holiness and fear of God? Because again, taking up this petition really in that way becomes very dangerous, doesn't it? Because of who we approach. Because of who we're in relationship with. 
It forces us to pause, to consider, am I asking for something in line with the holiness of God? Am I committing myself to that which is rightly found under the fear of God? That if God's name is to be hallowed, am I offering every part of myself in the pursuit of holiness? Am I seeking to bring every part of my life under the leading and lordship of Jesus? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Are we praying it with that force? That intentionality, that intensity. And I want to encourage you to do so. Because it is a noble call. It is the greatest of callings. One that we are given grace to pursue in the goodness and blessing and amazing grace of our God. And that's what we take up then in this prayer. Our prayers give witness to a desire to wholly set apart our lives in the name of our God and unto his glory. That's the theme we want to look at this morning. Our prayers give witness to a desire to wholly set apart our lives in the name of our God and unto his glory. Because it's about that name that is above every name, which for us and all of his chosen people then is a name hallowed in relationship and it's a name hallowed in directorship. And so we're going to look at this text then in kind of reverse order this morning. Not that it wasn't given by inspiration of God in the order that it's given, but in order to avoid a danger by way of making sure we're not flipping the things. And we'll see that in just a few moments. But it's first a name hallowed in relationship, which we see in the second half of verse 32 and then into verse 33. Because in taking up those first words of the prayer, our Father, we're already speaking to a commitment and trust in relationship. Because what we're saying is we're the children of an almighty God and faithful Father. We're saying we've been elected in that love. We've been saved in the gift of His Son. We've been granted every blessing and applied to us in the work and power of the Holy Spirit. And so if we've already said all of that, then what we need to be saying is this relationship is first. That there's a primacy found in that relationship. And in the words we speak then, they should move us to cry out to the primacy of the same. It's an exclusive relationship to be sure, but it has to be actively first among all others. It's like, well, I I married my wife, and that's the most important relationship in my life, but I make time for everyone else and everything else other than her. She's going to eventually say, this is not primary. This is not first. And perhaps this is a little bit of how we speak about God. You're first, and yet we give ourselves to everything else, and then we come to him at the end with maybe what's left. And he says rightly, Am I first? And that reality then can't just be one of words, can it? No, ours is to be an active relationship because he's given us life for that very purpose. That we would glorify him in all things. That we would enjoy him forever. That we would live and die in the joy of the comfort he's provided in that relationship. And that's the beauty of our confession this morning. Perhaps one of the the more devotional answers throughout all of the catechism. Hallowed be your name means what? 
Help us to truly know you. It's relational words, to know you, to honor and glorify and praise you for all your works and for all that shines forth from them. To honor and glorify you, why? Because of your almighty power, your wisdom, your kindness, your justice, your mercy, and truth. It's about recognizing what we have and rather who we know in relationship with the Almighty. But I must know the Lord. It isn't just words. It isn't just a prayer to be spoken. I must know Him. And in knowing God, then I have to know what holiness is. I must know Him if I'm to know what honor looks like. And how that's lived out, what glory is like, what praise should consist of. And none of us does that very well. That's the struggle, right? We, we talk about relationship and primacy and, and recognizing honor and holiness and awe and reverence. We, we say these things, but what does it mean? How is it lived out? How does that relationship change everything? I must know the Lord. And yet, brothers and sisters, I want you to be encouraged by something in the prayer. That it, as Jesus teaches the disciples to pray this and thus us, we hallow his name by asking for help in his name. Because that too is why we're praying the request. We're not coming saying, yeah, it's hallowed by me all the time. No, Father, I'm prone to wander. I struggle, and that struggle is real. And as a good and faithful father, he's willing to draw near to us again and again and again in his word and Holy Spirit. And so help us, Father, then. And this prayer coming out in that kind of perhaps contrition, but also in that need for dependence, help us to really know you. So I want to challenge you this morning. Is that... Is that your desire, to really know you? Not just what I gleaned in kind of skating through Heidelberg Catechism classes as a high school student. To really know you. To live a relationship of dependence upon you. To have that come out in the prayers that I offer. To come out in the life that I live. To come out in a desire to know your word better than I know my truck or my sled or my job or my whatever. Help me to really know you. Or to that end, what desires in your life right now are trumping that desire? What's getting in the way? Perhaps your heart is cold. Maybe you've been hardened. What's getting in the way? Why is the Lord in that relationship not primary or secondary or tertiary? What? Why is it so far down the list sometimes that we wonder what, what's going on? What have you given yourself to knowing fully and passionately other than our Father, our triune God? And the struggle is real for all of us. Whether we sit in a study or an office or in a building that's being built or in a field that's being planted. We're all struggling with the same. Because we all give ourselves to things that don't matter, 
or even things that matter but end up crowding out the kind of relationship we're called to and blessed to be a part of. So hallowed be your name, Lord. Help me. Help me to set you apart. And that struggle, as it's real for pastors, was real for Levitical priests too. Here were men who were given one task. Here it is. Lead God's people in worship. Make those sacrifices. Show forth and teach them the wonder of who God is in relationship to you by way of that covenant. By way of this building that's been set up, show them the relationship that our almighty God has with his people. This was their one job. For Aaron, for his sons, even for Moses, a man just like us too. You see, they needed not just to serve the Lord. That becomes our problem too, right? That, that we would look at the book of Leviticus like, well, the priest, this is just a checklist. Just make sure you do the things. Pastor, take your bulletin and make sure that, that you've done all the things and done them in the right order and, and just get us through this thing. Help us to really know you. They needed not just to serve the Lord, they needed to know him. Because we can be busy with a lot of serving. There are a lot of Marthas among us. Mary's chosen the best thing and I'm not going to take it from her. Do we really know the Lord? To know him as Lord. To really know him as Savior. And so that's why we look at the second half of this text first, because the tendency is to look at that relationship and that knowledge on the base of what we do according to his commandment, rather than first looking to the fact and acknowledging the fact and being thankful for the fact that he has first entered into a relationship with us. That's the wonder of reading the second half of verse 32. I am the Lord. He's not saying I'm something different, but I'm what? I am the Lord who sanctifies you. I'm first. That has to be first. I am the Lord who makes you holy to me. I am the Lord who sets you apart for me and for me only. He doesn't leave your salvation, your justification to you. He doesn't leave holiness to you either, your sanctification. No, he sets us apart. He leads us and guides us into greater holiness, into deeper relationship, in the knowledge of the grace that gives us every reason then to be so motivated and so thankful to know him and his work. And so in relationship to him, one that we've done nothing to earn or deserve, one that he has entered into with us in sheer grace, we ask him, Lord, make yourself more fully known to us in all we ask and read and speak and do. It's the blessing that we sang in Psalm 1. It's the prayer of Psalm 86, 11. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Help me to know you. Teach me that way. And when he does that, we're brought again to fear. 
into trust and reverence before the one that we've been made to know, the one we're set apart to, the one who has planned and done all things for us and our salvation and for our preservation in that relationship. And so in that, in His work of sanctification in His Word and Spirit, we're to know Him first as Savior. Because that's what it is to really know God. You can know lots of things about God. You can be the kid in the Sunday school room with your hand up right away, first time, all the time. But until you know Him as Savior, it doesn't matter. Do you know Him as Savior? That is what it is to know God. And that's what Israel needed to know. That's what the priests needed to know. That's what Moses and Aaron needed to know. To be reminded again that he was the one, verse 33, who brought you out of the land of Egypt to what? To be your God. Yes, I've commanded all of these things for you to do. And there is service and there is honor and reverence that I am calling you, that I am commanding you unto. But don't lose sight of the relationship. I am yours. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out and brings you near. I am the Lord. And I am to be your God. I brought you out by my power through the blood of the Passover lamb so that you would belong only to me now and forever. I've delivered you onto a relationship with me as Savior. And again, brothers and sisters, could there be Could there be a deeper, a better, a more awesome motivation to holiness and thanks than that? Could there be a greater show of love that God would give to us? And so in that covenant faithfulness, He brings salvation. Even as those days pointed ahead to the better knowledge of John 17, 3, and this is eternal life, that they worked for you, that they did all the things, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. We are made and set apart as holy to God only by way of his sacrifice and our baptism into the same by his grace. That's what we must know and keep on knowing and give ourselves to knowing more fully. Lord, you are my Savior through Jesus Christ. And yet such a confession will lead you to more, will it not? In fact, it must. Yes, we need to trust that he is Savior, but you are also to believe and bow before the one who is your what? Who is your Lord. I am the Lord. You see, our relationship to him should always make that manifest and known. He is the Lord, not me. I have been bought and belong to him. My relationship to him is of his grace and goodness. His service is required of me. And I am so thankful that it is. We've been made to know an almighty, sovereign, everlasting God who is also our faithful Father. 
And he calls us in that relationship to sacrifice ourselves in every way in order to know him and have life in him. That in his giving up all things, holding up nothing, not even his one and only, he says, I want all of you. Every part. In fact, that's what he delights in, according to Jeremiah 9. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. That he is saying what to us? In the deliverance I've provided, I am to be obeyed and honored as your Lord. So in the relationship that you claim before Almighty God, in speaking these words of hallowing his name, are you delighting in your Savior and Lord? Delight, joy, thanksgiving. And is that known in a real life of real sanctification and real thanksgiving? Know what you're praying for. A relationship to be set apart in every aspect of your life, even as he is to be set apart in every part of the same. Commit yourself to it, knowing that he is committed to you. Give yourself to that direction in more fully knowing his directorship and that in the same place. And so we go back then to verse 31. Because that directorship is the drive of that second meaning recorded in our confession of what it is to hallow the Father's name. Hallowed be your name means help us to direct all our living, what we think, say, and do, so that your name will never be blasphemed because of us, but always honored and praised. So to direct our lives is to set the focus, the point of the action, the story of all that such action is to speak. And so what is the direction of your life making known? When you're asking for help, are you still trying to run the show? I mean, that's the wonder of, of seeing behind a set, that, that the director knows exactly how the, the shot should be taken and how the actors should perform and, and what action should be taking place and the lighting being just show, so and the, the camera angles being what they're... They are the ones who run everything. And we just have an opportunity to be in the show. Directed in his way, in his action, for his glory. And so I want to challenge you to see it in this way. Your prayers will speak volumes as to who is in the director chair. Because we kind of talk sometimes about the prima donna actor or actress who doesn't want to follow that leading and who continues to tell the director what they will do and how they'll do it and they improvise their lines. And, and you get to a point where you're like, you know what, I don't want to work with you anymore. What are your prayers communicating? What is your life communicating? Because to truly be sanctified, 
means that I don't go my own way. It means that I don't improvise, that I follow his script, that I follow his calling, that I give myself to his commands. That true prayer will always lead away from ourselves, away from my wants, my desires, my preferences, my will, and it will always drive me to his. To hallow God is to acknowledge that we're second. To hallow God is to acknowledge that we've been humbled, that we will follow our Savior and our Lord. To understand that to direct my life properly, I must be directed by you alone. That those priests, that we as priests, have one task set before us, understanding that his name is to be hallowed, followed, and obeyed. Verse 31, so you shall keep my commandments and do them. I am the Lord. It's a non-negotiable. And that really becomes the struggle for many who sit in the places that they call churches today. And so I want you to hear this plainly. You cannot say that you have God as Savior and not give yourself to holiness. You can do it, but you're lying. You cannot have him as Savior and not have him as Lord. You can't split it. You cannot. You must not. Because what you are saying then is I am deceived and I am lost. You are called to come to Jesus and find life. To find life in real relationship. And so your prayer, hallowed be your name, is hallow me. Change me. You see, he alone is to lead your life and direct it in every way. It's to be the way of his word. And so you cannot and must not speak this petition of hallowing his name if you have no desire for holiness and obedience. Jesus even says it. If you love me and we say, yes, I do, you will keep my commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome for those who have been saved and sanctified in Jesus Christ. In fact, you have the blessing to live under his directorship as one who's had his name placed upon you. You are one who recognizes your role in his story. You are his. You live for his name. Your everything is given to you by way of that name affixed to you with great promises. So give yourself to his direction. It's never led improperly. You're never brought to the end of that cut and say, oh, we made a mistake, let's run it again. It is always good. You are His. Live for His name. For when we don't, we live the life of hypocrites. We blaspheme His name. We become roadblocks for others to, to come to Him, to know who a true Savior and Lord real, really is. And that kind of life is real profanity. Verse 32, and you shall not profane my holy name, that I may be sanctified among the people of Israel. You shall not make unholy that which is and is to be holy. You shall not corrupt that which is to be incorruptible. 
To be one desiring the hallowing of God's name means we desire more and more and more to be holy and to put our trust fully for such holiness in sanctification only in our Father through Jesus Christ. A desire for God's name to be hallowed, though, doesn't mean we will all of a sudden be perfect. No. It doesn't mean that we'll never sin. But what it means is I don't want to. I don't want to sin. Father, I don't want to profane your name. And when I have, I will run to you and I will call out to that name in repentance and faith. Believing the truth of Psalm 9, verse 10, and those who know your name put their trust in you, for you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. He's faithful, even in our unfaithfulness. Christ is all of our justification and all of our sanctification, and that's how he is most glorified when we're most contented and satisfied in him as those who desire to live lives of grateful obedience to his glory. This is his way. That has always been the way. And while we cannot understand how in our lives or in all things that's brought about fully, we trust his directorship. You will make it known. That is how this story, this is how all of this will work itself out now and forever. And that's the power of Paul's doxology in Romans 11, isn't it? Oh, the depths and the riches and the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who's going to direct God and say, no, you should have done it this way instead? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. You see, in everything, especially in terms of his directing and moving all things under that glory, his name deserves to be hallowed. He's directing you right now, even your worship right now. He's directing all things right now for his glory. So give it to him. Quit holding back, quit clinging to sin. That takes you away from it. Give him that glory. Don't seek it for yourself. Don't dismiss his desire for it. But in seeking to pray this prayer fully, seek that glory. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. He deserves all of it. All of it is His. Everything He directs points to it. So be a part of it in the praise of your life, in the prayers of your life, in the service of your life, in the love of your life. Let your life cry out the truth of Psalm 115.1. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for your, the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. And so as a church, as individuals, all of us together, we need to pray, Father, we want to be sanctified. We want to know you more fully. We wish to be led together into greater and greater depths of your holiness. We desire together to be and to serve for the praise of your glorious grace. 
as Kevin DeYoung writes, quotes, our greatest good is to rejoice in God's great glory, end quote. And that will be seen in a life given, given, wholly given to the praise of his holiness and to living out of the same. In the same way, Jesus says in Matthew 5, 16, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So I encourage you, I urge you, that if you don't know Jesus in that kind of relationship, come to him today. He calls out to you by his word. He is the Lord and he is the Savior. He is holy and he is loving. He calls you to that relationship. And as one who has claimed that relationship, give yourself more fully to it, to it first to knowing him and what he has done for you and his son and by his spirit. Know him by way of the word that he's given. Enjoy him in a life of holiness, that one that he is working in you. Give yourself more and more and more to his direction and thanks, for it's always a way of blessing, but more it is always the way of his glory. And then in everything, Everything you do, as awesome as you might think it is, as mundane as you might think it is, give yourself more and more to that desire to wholly set your life apart in all of it unto the name of our great God and to his glory alone. Be holy as he is holy in the holiness of your Lord and Savior, in a holiness that resounds to his praise his glory. Amen. Let's pray. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth of your word, the commandments to those who serve before you as your people to really know you, to give themselves in every way to their Savior and to their Lord. And so, Father, we come before you humbled because we know how many things get in the way that we put there that get in the way of the enjoyment fully of that relationship. How many things that we give our time to, our efforts to, the best part of our thinking and living to, and we know how little we come to with at the end of it. And so, Father, reverse that in us. At that prime focus, that one directive of hearing your voice and heeding your word, of coming before one we love as Savior, one that we love as Lord. May your direction, Father, be known. May that relationship be more fully known. And may you be glorified in all of the ways in which you work and direct that change in us. So, Father, that isn't just in us then, but we pray that we would see that in our families that we would see it in our work, that we would see it in our play, that we would see it in our schooling, that we would see it in everything, that we would be and be about you first. And so, Lord, we ask in our praying, in our worship, in our devotions, in our family altars, Father, in all of it, in the lives that we live before an unbelieving world that needs to see and hear and know the gospel, Father, may they hear it and see it in us. 
And so, Lord, we ask that you would continue to work that mission together among us, that we would be made more holy, spotless, a bride made beautiful for the return of our bridegroom, Christ. And so, Lord, would you bless us as we give our lives to that task, as we give our offerings, Lord, for the work of the church. Father, would you work the same? Lord, hear our prayer. We love you, we praise you, and we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.